Welcome to the Consultants Council podcast, a place for consulting industry guidance and best practice advisory. Whether you're working to grow in your consulting career, you're managing and developing a consulting firm, you're working with consultants, or you're just interested in business and high performance advice, we've got recommendations and education for you. I'm Kelsey Kreveling, founder and CEO of Kelsey Consulting, a firm focused on building high-performing organizations, teams, and individuals through a variety of ventures, including the Consultants Council. I've spent my career at the intersection of technology and management consulting, working with organizations across the country to help solve their toughest challenges, while also supporting the growth and development of multiple consulting firms, helping them improve their long-term performance trajectory. In addition, I serve as a startup investor and advisor, promoting the ideas of entrepreneurs as they work to gain traction in their industry. With so many people gearing up to launch their own businesses and establish their own consulting practices, I want to make available the advice and lessons I've learned along the way. This podcast is made possible by Kelsey Consulting with media support by Class Act Media. For more information, check out our site at theconsultantscouncil.com and kelsey.consulting. That's K-E-L-S-C dot consulting. And now, stay tuned for this episode's counseling because the consulting world is full of nuances and the answer is always, it depends. What's possible? Do more. Hey there, I'm Kelsey Krubling with the Consultants Council, and today we're going to cover some interesting topics focused on how to effectively work with others, how to operate diplomatically in the workplace, and how to navigate and diffuse challenging interactions. Because working with others is critical to being successful with the work that we do. We do it in our daily work life. We do it in our daily personal life. It is essential and foundational. And yet so much of the time, it can be very, very challenging to navigate effectively and to obtain the outcomes that we are seeking. So just some couple recommendations from my career of the things that I've found that seem to work really well uh, when dealing with others. All right, so I think it was just last week, I read a really great analogy that I think is relevant for all of us working together and why it is so important. And the the answer is because we can do so much more when we work together effectively. Uh, It's a story about Belgian horses and the fact that individually they can pull a significant amount of weight, about 8,000 or so pounds. two Belgian horses together, you would think, okay, well, one can pull eight, two together, they can pull what, 16,000? But no, two together can actually pull significantly more just by being next to each other and having two times the capacity. Um, But if those horses also are allowed to play together, live together, eat together, and live life well together, the output of which they can pull and tow is significantly increased. And this is an article that's been referenced in multiple different places, so I don't have a a single source for it. You can just Google Belgian horse story, um, you know, working together well. But I love that. I loved the fact that, well, yes, individually, we can be so strong and capable and do so much, but yet what might be possible for us when we actually work well together with others. You know what I say, what's possible? The answer is everything. 
So do more. Well, now let's look at what you can do when you do that with others. All right, so over the course of your career, inevitably you are going to come across people of all different backgrounds and interests and skill levels and personalities and being able to work effectively with all different people is what A, will make you really successful in your career, but also it's what makes the work that we pursue rewarding. Uh, we all have the opportunity to learn from others. And so one of the first things that I think is critical to keep in mind when you are going into any situation with others is, what can I learn from this person or from these people? What is an opportunity for me to gain knowledge, insight, awareness? First and foremost, that just really sets us up for successful interactions. Because when we go into situations where we are interacting with others and we have that open mind, and we know and believe that we can learn from them, that immediately diffuses so much backstory. We are so pre-programmed with narratives of how we think people must be, of how we think interactions must go. And when we kind of just put that aside and first and foremost show up thinking, I can learn something from the people I'm gonna interact with that lets our ego take a back seat. It lets us operate so much more authentically as we interact with people that we are going to be collaborating with. And so as you first and foremost go into any interaction with others, I would just encourage you to take on that mindset. Take on the mindset of what can I learn? See what that does for you. So once you're in the mindset of what can I learn from this person I'm gonna be meeting with or interacting with, the second thing that I like to do before any meeting, interaction, phone call, conversation is consciously think through my goals for the interaction. What do I want the outcomes to be before I even engage? And it could be something that's just, you know, casual of, hey, I'm going to go meet up with friends and I want to have a great evening. Let us all have a wonderful time. Let us have collaborative conversation. That's really fun. Uh, but I set that intention before going into it. But I do the same thing with even more direction when it comes to work related conversations. So if I'm going into an exciting client presentation or an initial client conversation and meeting, or even a challenging interaction where maybe there's been some tension and friction based on you know the work that's being pursued i take a moment to really gather my thoughts and to think through what is my desired outcome for the conversation and typically it's something along along the lines of i want this to be a positive outcome for all parties i want us to come to a peaceful and successful resolution I want us to all feel like we have gotten what we want from this interaction and that we've all learned, that we've all been able to be positive and that we found a path forward. Let it result in the best possible outcome for all of us to move forward with so that we can be successful. And when I go into interactions, having those conscious thoughts prior to those discussions, the outcomes are so much better 
that intentional mindfulness before connecting with others just does a really great job of laying the groundwork of making sure I'm in the right mentality to go into those conversations, to interact with other people. And it also allows me the opportunity to, to kind of pause and be reflective before even engaging. And so that from day one, I'm not taking any old mentalities or thought processes or limitations into those discussions. I've cleared the palette, it's a clean slate, and I'm now ready to operate much more clearly. Because I can tell you the, the times that I don't remember to do those things and I'm operating kind of, you know, on the fly and it's rapid and stressful and there's a lot going on. Those aren't great, right? That's when we become frantic. That's when we become rushed. That's when we say things that we might not mean to say. Learning how to set your intention before going into conversations regardless of the variety of conversation, whether they be peaceful and happy and positive or incredibly difficult and challenging. Setting that intention up front will really help you ground into exactly how you want to operate for that conversation. So if you have consciously grounded yourself into how you want a conversation to go and you've remembered that you're going to seek to learn and understand from those that you're going to be interacting with, Something else I really like to do before going into conversations is also come from a place of that seeking to understand, seeking to see the other person's perspective and even ahead of the conversation, spending time putting yourself in their perspective, put yourself in their shoes. Think about how the conversation could go from their perspective. Think about how and what might be most important to them that they're going to be looking to care about or obtain from that discussion? What might be informing the way that they respond? Now, you can go down a long rabbit hole on what might be informing the way people respond, right? If, you know, there's, there's certain things and pressures within the workplace that could immediately be contributing to how they interact, but then there's likely a long host of things far beyond that within their own personal lives, their own histories, their own life stories, that are all contributing to that moment in time when they are operating and interacting in a certain way. And so anytime you get into interactions that take a turn for not being as positive as one would hope, that becomes a very critical thing to remember so that you can stay centered and grounded. Because while other people might not be able to retain their centering, to retain their composure, the best way for you to move forward successfully, to get the outcomes that you're seeking and to do well in your career and in your life is to be the calmest person in the room, always. The leader is always the calmest person in a space. They're the person that can understand what is occurring around them and can continue to ground into peacefulness and centeredness in order to chart a path forward towards successful resolution. It doesn't mean that they are always a pacifist and it does not always mean that they are going to remain quiet, but it does mean that they are able to retain their composure and to seek a positive outcome for all involved. 
That might mean that they need to be very firm from time to time, very directive, very assertive, but they will not devolve into lower interactions of being. They will continue to remain composed and they will continue to seek a positive outcome. And so as you are looking at how do you navigate and operate and interact with others, remember that. Look at how you can continue to prepare ahead of time so that it's much easier in the moment to remain centered and grounded. So it's really interesting. Great leaders actually have the ability to modulate the energy in a room. They can change the molecular structure of a space just by coming into it and by establishing their presence. You feel that, you know that, you know when you've been in a room and you're like, wow, who is that person? They've changed what's going on in here and everyone kind of reacts differently. Uh, but as a result, they're also able to modulate and control how people are responding kind of subconsciously. You know, there's, there's a lot of energy that's kind of firing in all cylinders and everyone's kind of chaotic and haywire. You can see where they can almost assert a sense of calm and tranquility into a space in order to temper that mood and to obtain outcomes that are positive. Or when it's maybe too calm and too tranquil and you're not getting the excitement and the uh, energy that is necessary to move something forward successfully, you can see those people also be able to ramp it up and be able to build excitement and intrigue and interest. Those are skills uh, that everyone can cultivate, but it takes a matter of being able to sit back and read the room and to understand all of the different components that are operating within that space that are going to be, it's going to be necessary to modulate. And that takes time. So start practicing that. Start queuing yourself up for all of your interactions and seeing, hmm, was I being reactive to that interaction? Or was I being proactive? Was I being grounded and ready to go for the conversation so that it went the way that I wanted to see it go? Or was I letting the conversation take me away? Was I getting so wrapped up in it that I wasn't getting the outcomes that I wanted because I couldn't hold my own position, my own thought process, my own feelings. See how that works for you in your day-to-day -day life, at work, etc. Start to become observant of how those around you operate, of how they navigate, of how they interact and communicate. And you'll start to notice different trends and different themes of how people conduct themselves in the workplace and in their lives. So once I realized that everyone, regardless of their tenure and their position, still got dressed in likely a pretty similar order to each other, that really helped diffuse the apprehension that I used to experience when navigating those type of conversations with people that I was intimidated by. Yes, they have a different title. Yes, they have a different tenure. Yes, they have a different level of experience and expertise, but I also am able to render value in a different way, in a different thought process, and that's valuable. So recognizing and remembering that you have obtained the role, the position, the job that you are in for a reason, you have 
value, you have skill, you have insight, you have perspective, and it is worth sharing as long as it is respectful and considerate and well thought through. Knowing that innately, when you go into conversations that you have done your due diligence, that you have prepared, but you, you also have a voice, does wonders for gaining confidence, for being able to show up to the table, to have those interactions and discussions, and to being taken seriously by those in other positions that you might be interacting with. So that when you come into conversations that could become contentious in nature, you're calm, you're collected, you're prepared, and you're able to navigate it so much more effectively because you're not operating from reaction, but rather from preparation and confidence. Okay, so what happens when you've done everything from your perspective to be considerate and compassionate and well-prepared and centered and grounded and diplomatic in your interactions, seeking positive solutions? What happens when the people you're interacting with are still inflammatory or unkind or angry and difficult to interact with? How then do you diffuse the situation effectively so that you can get to a positive resolution? I will be the first to tell you I have had a multitude of interactions on a spectrum of amazing and awesome to truly horrible and traumatic in both my work life and my personal life. And I mean, I can remember occasions when clients would yell at me, scream profanities at me. And in the moment I had to take it, acknowledge it, center myself, step away so that then I could have the reaction to what it was that they were saying that I couldn't have in, in front of them. The best way to handle those type of challenging interactions in the moment as they are occurring is to first and foremost, remember the goals that you have for that outcome. And then if necessary, always be respectful, always be considerate, but ask to pause. It is perfectly acceptable in the moment of very inflammatory discussions to request a recess, to say, you know what? I think we need to table this conversation for right now. I think we all need a moment to recenter ourselves and to collect our thoughts and to come back when we all have a moment to share them a bit more considerately. I've had to do that on numerous occasions with clients, on behalf of my team members, when I've seen conversations going awry. Okay, let's table this for now. We need to take this offline. We need to take this offline is code for this conversation is going off the rails. It is not resulting in a positive solution. And we all need a moment to either do more research or collect our thoughts or collaborate with others or pull in, you know, some other perspectives. And that's okay. Tabling a conversation that is not going in the direction that is ideal is far better than letting it continue in a negative path and way.
because then that's when things get said that are not meant. That's when outcomes become heated and not successful. That's when things occur that can't be retracted. Learning how to take a pause for yourself and for others is crucial. This is something I see a ton, especially with new hires, is this desire to immediately respond. Well, someone wrote a, a nasty gram email. I had to respond right away. You know, someone is, is upset about this. I have to immediately react. Do you? Is that reaction in that exact moment when you are heated too, when you're upset, when you're frustrated and flustered, going to result in the best outcome? No, because it's not giving you time to do all that centering and all that intentional thought process on how you want it to resolve. You're just reacting. And as a result, you're going to get another compassion person who's going to also then be more ready to react. And what happens when two things collide? Well, it's not always great. So get comfortable with the pause. Doesn't have to be long. It might be, you know what? I can't respond in this exact moment. I need a moment to collect myself. Can we, can we take a, a recess? May we take a bathroom break? May we go grab some water or a snack if you're in person with people? Or you know what, can we please table this for now? It's getting late. I think we all have a lot of thoughts on this. Let's all circle back on this tomorrow. We'll set up time first thing in the morning. Perfectly appropriate and respectable responses in order to maintain that sanity of the conversation. Or if it's via email, you know what? You don't have to respond instantaneously. You can take a beat. You can go walk around your office. You can go walk around the building. You can go grab a coffee. You can go to the restroom. You can take a pause. It might be something that needs a little bit longer time for you to think through. Okay, great. If you're in a role that actually necessitates some form of response in order to acknowledge that you've received the request, perfectly acceptable to say, you know what? Thank you so much for this communication. I need a moment to research this or I need some time to think through this or consider this or look into this, or I need someone else's perspective. All great. What you can't do, please don't do, is fire off a rapid fire email that has things in it that you haven't taken the time to meticulously think through how they are going to be received by the person opening that communication. Because that's what results in less than stellar outcomes when you are not considerate as to how the person that's on the other side of your communication is going to receive what it is that you're communicating. So get very comfortable with the pause. It can be 30 seconds. It can be two minutes. It can be 10 minutes. It can be 20 minutes. It can be two days. It could be a week. It could be a month depending upon the severity and the issue at hand. I'll leave that to your judgment as to what's going to be best for you to go center and recollect yourself, but get comfortable with the pause. Give yourself the space so that you do not react instantaneously and that you get to collect your thoughts and that you get to present the best version of yourself. That way you don't have anything out there that you regret. All right. So now that you understand the effectiveness of the pause, creating space 
so that we can react the way that we want to in the best way possible. Something else I really also like to use is recalibrating conversations. Say, for example, conversation is going in this direction. Maybe it's not the direction you want it to go. How can you, as a leader in that conversation or contributor in that conversation, start to shift it such that it goes in a more positive direction? What can you interject with? How can you establish confidence and competence in a conversation such that you take back the path that it is headed down? I tend to love doing that with questions. Ask any of my clients, I, I ask far more questions uh, in order to get to outcomes that I know are the direction that would be beneficial, but that I don't want to overtly state Asking effective and meaningful questions and conversations can do wonders for realigning a conversation or an interaction with what it is that you want to achieve. And questions, which is wonderful when they're delivered with compassion and kindness and just consideration and openness to whatever the responses might be can really go a long way towards getting other people to think consciously for themselves as to what response they want to give and what will that response when they voice it aloud will do to the conversation at hand. What questions can you start to ask in your interactions to recalibrate conversations and to get them where it is that you want to go? Please though, don't be condescending as you ask them. Ask them genuinely, considerately, thoughtfully. And try it out. See how it can result in some improved outcomes. Something else that I think that is just critical for operating well with others, and I hope it goes without saying, is operate from a place of compassion and kindness. How can you infuse kindness into all of the interactions that you have? How can you remember that the people that you're dealing with are humans that have their own perspectives and lives that are informing how they're showing up in that moment. You have no idea what someone may be going through. Especially at the office, oh my gosh, if you're not friends with that person, they likely aren't telling you that they're going through a divorce. They're likely not telling you that maybe a parent is dying. They're likely not telling you that they have a sibling that could be overdosing or in, in and out of rehab. They're likely not telling you that maybe their child is undergoing treatment for something. There's so many things that people deal with every day that are heavy and intense. And then for so long, we have forced people to fit in a perfect, well-suited, structured approach so that we can operate professionally. 
And while I firmly believe in a professional aesthetic and demeanor and the ability to showcase confidence and skill that showcases to the people that you're operating with and interacting with that you have some knowledge in certain subject matter expertise areas. Just because we're able to be polished and professional does not mean we need to be robots. It does not mean that we need to operate in a monotone, colorless world where you don't get to see people for who they are, for their best versions of themselves. So while you never know what someone is going through, you can always be kind. I, for one, this year necessitated a requirement for a service animal. River, here. And so as a result, my beloved Labrador went through significant training in order to be able to accommodate and support me through some things that I've been experiencing. And as a result, I'm so appreciative of how welcoming and accepting everyone has been as a result of that transition in my life. And what a blessing it is to be able to have his support all the time. But that's not something that I regularly convey. So, operate with kindness, operate with compassion, see people for being human. And I can guarantee the interactions, the conversations, and the outcomes that you experience, both in your professional work life and in your personal one, will improve. All right, so now that you're operating, hopefully you always have been, with kindness and compassion for those that you're interacting with, does being kind or friendly mean that you have to be friends with people in the workplace? And the answer to that is no. Uh, this is something that I've counseled a lot of newer hires on that think that, you know, at work, you're kind of obligated to be friends with your peers or with your boss or with your subordinates. And the answer to that is you, you are not obligated to be friends. You're not obligated to do things with them outside of the office. You're not obligated to dive deeply into their personal lives and into things that are going on. And quite frankly, in some instances, that can become really uncomfortable. Being friendly to others, being considerate of them as human beings, does not mean that you have to cross that boundary into friendship. Doesn't mean that it's not possible. It absolutely is. It certainly can be. And when it happens, that's wonderful. But it's not necessary. And I think that that's something really important to learn as you are entering the workplace, because we, we want to be well liked, we want to be well respected, we want to be engaging with others. And sometimes we think that that then means that we now need to be obligated to friendship with those that we collaborate and work with. And it doesn't. 
So if at any point in time you're feeling like, you know, I'm, I'm not seeking friendship here. That's not what I'm looking for. Completely okay. Friendly does not have to mean friends. All right, so in addition to not having to be friends as a, a positive boundary that you can set in the workplace, uh, there's lots of other positive boundaries that you can explore and establish for yourself. Boundaries around your working hours, boundaries around how you respond and the types of tools that you utilize, uh, boundaries around the type of travel that you take on and pursue. Uh, certainly, I'm, I'm well versed and aware of the requirements of different firms and different industries and how that changes over time and the ability to assert more boundaries, the more tenured in your career you develop and become. Uh, but those are all things that as you determine for yourself what is and is not most important to you, those will become clearer. It's tough to know right out of you know school that, oh, this is important to me, this isn't important to me in you know regard to my, my work hours or to the type of work that I take on. You know, you're, you're working your career, you're working to develop, you're learning, you wanna be saying yes to opportunities and, and pursuits. Um, but as you grow and as you take on different promotions and different opportunities and different jobs, you have to remember that at all times, you are the boss of you. You are in control of how you live, how you operate, how you show up, and what's most important to you. And you, if you don't feel like you have the opportunity to establish those type of positive boundaries in the workplace that you're operating in, maybe that's not the right workplace for you. Maybe it's time for a transition. Spend time thinking about what is most important to you and how you conduct your day and how you operate and how you engage and the type of interactions that you like to have and the type of work that you take on and use that to start refining the types of positions, jobs, projects, efforts, interactions that you take on in half. It's up to you. You have the privilege of getting to decide for yourself what that looks like. And I think so much of the time, we're conditioned to think that we don't have that power. We don't have that control. We are at the mercy of the organization that we work with and for. Okay, so change. Okay, so make a difference. Okay, so stand up, speak up, ask for something different. Talk with your boss about something that is important to you, if it's bothering you or if it's not functioning effectively for you. Do so in a considerate way. Do your research ahead of time think through how they might respond to your request, consider it from all angles, think about if what you're asking for is gonna have a cost associated with it or time associated with it. But once you've done that and you've been considerate about the things that you're pursuing and caring about, the worst they can do is say no. And then you have an answer and then you can decide for yourself if that's worth you accommodating or if it's important enough that you want to make a transition or change. But I highly encourage you to get comfortable with determining what those boundaries are for yourself and grow confident in asserting them. All right, so you're well positioned now for preparing for conversations and interactions. You are operating from a position of compassion and consideration and you are growing comfortable in asserting your own boundaries for the work and the interactions that you have.
how then to operate diplomatically and to navigate office politics. Every office, every organization has a unique culture comprised of the people that work and function there and the interactions that the organization allows to perpetuate. Some are more evident and obvious than others. Some are notorious some for being positive and some are notorious for being less than positive. Uh, and they all have their kind of pros and cons. Uh, and so, first of all, when it comes to those kind of navigations, consider yourself and what's important to you as you evaluate organizations that you want to work with or for to determine if the culture that they cultivate resonates with you. Uh, but inevitably, there will still be office politics and interactions that um, you will have to navigate and negotiate. And what I generally find works most optimally for doing that is to do so with great diplomacy. What I, what I mean by that is to utilize all the tools that we've talked about leading up to this point and to navigate those interactions artfully. And what I mean by that is don't step on the landmines that other people might lay for you. When you take a step back and observe the landscape that you are negotiating and navigating, it becomes much more easy to spot the challenging personalities, the sensitive subject matters, the topics that might be challenging. And as a result, then you can view it from a higher vantage point that allows you to know, you know what, if I plow right through that, it's not gonna end well for me. It's not gonna result in the outcomes that I'm seeking. So as a result, I'm going to negotiate it a little bit more considerately. Utilizing all the tactics that we've discussed, the pause, the ability to recalibrate, the ability to kind of read the room and the energies of the space, all of those play heavily into the ability to bring your most diplomatic self to the workplace to look at what is in front of you and what's going to be the best possible course of action for you to take in order to get to where it is that you are seeking to go. If there's challenging subject matter at hand and you know there's different personalities and you know that you need to converse with individuals in a certain way in order to obtain outcomes that you're seeking, Take the path that allows you to operate with genuine authenticity, with kindness and consideration, with an understanding of the people that you're interacting with and what their perspectives might be leading to that conversation, and with transparency. That will absolutely offer far less clouded or challenging paths forward. So hopefully all of this has adjusted your perspective on interactions with others and calling 
the outcomes that you're seeking into your reality. Um, with that, I would highly encourage you to think about the different limitations that you subconsciously place upon yourself and upon outcomes and seek to remove them. I have a great colleague, friend, um, client who is all three of those things. And they at one point told me that they really enjoy working with me because I don't see the limitations. I might acknowledge that there are barriers or challenges that we need to remove those obstacles, but I don't allow them to stop progress. I acknowledge and understand that there is always a way to circumnavigate them, move them, adjust them, work with the right people in order to alleviate them in some way, right? And that's true for all of us. We all have that ability as long as we don't allow speed bumps to become solid walls. If it's a solid wall, figure out how to climb over it, go around it, or dig under it, or blow it up, right? Like there are so many ways that we can remove limitations, that we can get to the outcome that we are seeking by thinking creatively and by considering what's possible. So with all of this, you're changing your thought process, you're changing the way that you interact with others. Change to the limitations that you see and how you view them. See them just as something to overcome. And then consider how have you allowed limitations to date to dictate the reality that you live in? And are there certain limitations that you're ready to let go of? And that's a wrap on this episode of the Consultants Council. Thank you so much for your interest and engagement. Let us know what you'd like to learn more about by writing in to info at theconsultantscouncil.com. Thanks to Kelsey Consulting for sponsoring this podcast and to Class Act Media for the media support. And with that, cheers and all my best. Have a great week. And remember, what's possible? Do more.